0: Alright, why don't you turn to the book of Sephaniah, and we're gonna look at chapter 1, verse 1 through 6, and the message is entitled, The Coming Judgment. And God had been warning his people about the coming judgment, but they continued in their sin, being presumptuous and arrogant. We've seen this through the minor prophets we've seen up to this point. Somehow people think, ah, it'll never happen. We look to our nation. We've seen the writing on the wall 50 years saying, ah, it's going to be okay. We've always got of things. We're America, okay? What a parallel. And so God sends them once again the revelation of his judgment to come upon them. Zephaniah opens up here his message of God's judgment to come, which is characterized by three things. Let me read verse 1 through 6. The word of the Lord, which came to Sephaniah, the son of Cushai, the son of Gadaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will utterly consume everything from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and the stumbling blocks among the, with the wicked. I will cut off man from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will stretch out my Hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, I will cut off every trace of Baal from the place, the names of the idolatrous priests with the pagan priests, those who worship the host of heaven on the housetop, those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord, but also swear by Milcom, those who have turned back from following the Lord and have not sought the Lord nor inquired of him. The message of judgment that's coming, though they don't believe it, is characterized by three things. First, the interim vessel of judgment to Judah, which is the man Zephaniah. We find this in verse 1. Secondly, we have a long-term judgment over the earth, verse 2 and 3. Then we have the short-term judgment over Judah, verse 4 through 6. It begins with the interim vessel of judgment to Judah. Verse 1. Notice um, the word received by Sephaniah was from God. Once again, these prophets are very clear about this. The word is identified as divine revelation. The word of the Lord, all capital letters, which came to Zephaniah. The origin of the word is from Yahweh, the covenant God. We've talked about this before. Uh, this is the name that God gave to Moses in Exodus 3. 13 through 15, as he went to deliver the children of Israel. Who shall I say is What's his name? Yahweh. The Tetragrammaton, a big word, tetra for four, the four consonant, Y-H-V-H or Y-H-W-H. No vowels, it's unpronounceable. And the elders and the scribes did that purposely thinking that the name of God was so holy, it shouldn't be pronounced, though God never intended it. And so the Lord Yahweh is the one responsible for the existence of the nation. Therefore, he has all the authority to confront her. He was the one who called Abraham out of Ur the Chaldees and promised to make a nation of him in, in uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. As you know, Abraham was a Gentile, okay? Up area of Babylon, where's Babylon right now, beyond Syria there. Now, he was the one who also had delivered them from the bondage of the Exodus in chapter 3 through 12, judging the gods of Egypt. He was the one who gave them the promised land, as he told Abraham in Genesis 12:7, and progressively chapter 15 on down all the way to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, he was the one who had given them a king, David, 1 Samuel 16:3 through 13. Not looking as man looks upon the appearance and the height, but upon the heart. He's the one who had already judged the northern kingdom of Israel through the hand of Assyria. In 722, recorded in many passages, one of them 2 Kings 15, 20 through 24. This is the one that's addressing the nation. Notice the divine revelation was imparted to Savaniah to make it known to Judah. Seveniah is the eighth of twelve minor prophets in chronological order who spoke prior to captivity, pre exilic. Six prior to the captivity of the northern kingdom by Assyria in 722. We've looked at them. Obadiah, Joel, Jonah, Amos, Hosea, Micah. Three contemporary minor provinces prior to the captivity of the southern kingdom by Babylon from 606 to 586 BC. You have Nahum, Sephaniah, and Habakkuk. And you have three post-exilic After the return from the Babylonian captivity, 536 to 420. Those are the three that are left after Sephaniah. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. All we have is three left. They're after the seventh year captivity. Now, the evidence that he was a prophet of God is found throughout the book if you read it. Some of them is the word of the Lord came to Sephaniah right off in the first verse. What a great place to put that. To stop any... Argument right away, people don't have to believe it, but it's stated. Yet the term "says the Lord" appears frequently, chapter one, verse three, ten, two nine, three eight, and three twenty. Thus saith the Lord, it isn't He speaking, the authority, the prophecies, the future destruction of Nineveh in chapter two, verse thirteen. At this point, Nineveh has not been destroyed. That means that He spoke before Nahum. Okay. Because we saw a name already it's been fulfilled. 6.12. The judgment of Judah to come. Chapter 2. Asking them to repent. But they didn't. The restoration after captivity. In chapter 3. As well as the long term. The millennial kingdom. All prophecy. So prophecy is easy to confirm. By the fulfillment of it. You can't make it up. Because there are so many specifics to the prophecies. Now, the day of the Lord is also the focus and the central theme of Zephaniah, though many times you don't hear this. Usually we go to Joel, and rightly so, but Sephaniah, The day of the Lord appears seven times in chapter 1, verse 7, uh, 8, 10, 14, 18, then 2, 2, and 3, 8. The day of the Lord. The day of gloom, darkness, wrath. The period has a twofold fulfillment. Yet the short term, the present judgment of Judah to come by the Scythians and the Babylonians, and then the long term as we'll see the future judgment of tribulation and great tribulation during the Antichrist's reign. Now this day appears through all the minor prophets as well as major prophets, and you can find it throughout. Now the name Sephaniah means Yahweh highs or Yahweh has hidden. Maybe indicating that he would um, be hidden from the wrath to come himself. and Maybe also indicating those who were righteous as it declares in chapter 2 verse 3. God's mercy. Prophetically, the long term as a type of all who would be hidden from the wrath of the day of the Lord is anger. In chapter 2 verse 3. That ultimate time when God will pour out his wrath as we'll see upon the earth. Now notice the prophet Zephaniah is the only minor prophet here in verse 1 to identify himself with the royal family, the house of David. Zephaniah presents to us one of the fullest genealogies of the minor prophets. As you know, we've been covering them, and we're just going chronologically through them as in the order of the Bible. But his father in verse 1 was Cushai, His grandfather, Gadaliah, his great-grandfather, Amariah, and his great-great-grandfather, King Hezekiah, Hezekiah of the royal line. Hezekiah was a great king, but he did some dumb things, right? And then he had a dumb son, Manasseh, most wicked king. His first-hand knowledge of the corruption and moral standard, both of public and private life, was very vivid. With this genealogy, he has facts that no one else does. He knows things no one else does. Though at this point, it's very evident the whole nation's corrupt. Zephaniah revealed, he prophesied in the days of Josiah, says verse 1 at the end there, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. King Josiah, remember, began to reign when he was 8 years old. And in his 18th year, he commanded the temple to be restored. And in the cleaning of it out, they found the book of the law, Second Kings chapter 22 and 23, and Second Chronicles 34 and 35. And uh, Hilkiah is the one who founded the priest. And then Josiah was 26 years old uh, at about 621, 22 B.C., and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, so from 640 to 609 B.C. Um, at the time of his reign. And he commanded to seek God when they found the book, tearing his clothes, recognizing they had broken the law, not kept the law, and that all that was coming upon them was due to the sins of Manasseh. Manasseh just desecrated the temple, just worshipped every god, made his children pass through the fire, and God took him to Babylon, judged him, and he called on the Lord, and he repented, and God restored him. The worst king of Judah. The worst king of all of them. So if you might be here today thinking, well, I'm beyond help. Uh, is your name Manasseh? <laughs> Halda the prophetess told Josiah God would still judge Judah, but having humbled himself before God, it would not take place in his lifetime by God's mercy. So Josiah set out to clean the city, the temple. Um, But for the most part, it was a superficial uh, lip service that went on. You, if you are anywhere from 40 to 60, have seen the lip service of our country by our leaders and the people. They say one thing and do another. They vow things, promise things, but they don't follow through. This has been going on for a long, long time. Let's just take a watershed, the 1960s on. And now we're at lightning speed. There's a consequence. There's a breakdown. There's a disintegration. While all time people are saying, Ah, oh, it's okay. We're America. We're good. Listen. judgment's coming. And it's already here. I want you to live in Reality. I'm not a doomsday prophet. I'm here to offer you the greatest hope in the world, the soon return of Jesus Christ. All right? But I'm a Christian before I'm an American or anything else. I love this country. I wasn't born here. But I have to live in reality of what's going on. I can't be like President Obama that says, well, you know, we're living in the greatest point in history, the most prosperous, the safest. Right. Right. 50 people just got killed by a 12 year old bomber in Turkey last night. A wedding. Safest time in the world, huh? By the way, you can keep your doctor on your insurance plan. And Benghazi came from a film. Wow. Superficial reform. He promised much but nothing was delivered the people were hypocritical Um, he proclaimed the hypocrisy and the insincerity he was clothed in um, garb of religiosity Um, and uh, formality and in the temple remember Jeremiah was said in chapter 7 to go proclaim in the temple of the Lord the temple of the Lord the people are saying these are these says don't say that the temple is nothing God's going to destroy it you can't hide in the temple you can't say well it's okay we're going to be okay no just about a hundred years before the northern kingdom had come to captivity under the hand of Assyria in 722. God gave them the warning, "This ah, it's okay, not going to be okay." No, it finally, happened right. Babylon was the new rising power to be the chastising instrument by God for Judah. Habakkuk chapter one six through eleven two five through eight. We looked at that. Zephaniah's ministry is probably around 630 to 621 BC, somewhere in there. You remember Amos? When he was preaching in the northern kingdom, they told him to leave, go prophesy in Judah. And Amos said, "I was no prophet, nor was I the son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit." Amos seven fourteen. These were the men that God called that were outside the line of the kings and the priests and all, because everything had become corrupt. Now Sephaniah is an exception to this, but God called them and anointed them. They didn't call and send themselves. There are many today that call themselves prophets. They utter their prophetic words to impress people and to have authority over them from their pulpits. They have affirmed their message by themselves and also by their fellow prophets and teachers as they amen them in their proclamations, as they sit behind them in their pews. Yet the scriptures are clear that the last prophets who spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was in the book of Acts, who were inerrant and infallible. No one speaks like that today. And so what do you mean when you're telling me you're a prophet? And why are you telling me you're a prophet? <laughs> Listen to 1 Peter one nineteen 19 19-21. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, the Old Testament. Would you do well to heed as a light that shines... In a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation, meaning of origin or impulse, didn't come from man. Now he explains it. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved or carried by the Holy Spirit. First Peter one nineteen to 19-21. This is the men in the scriptures. After the first century, nobody speaks under inspiration. The canon is closed. 66 books. Now, too often, these modern-day prophets are motivated by fame, gain, and dames. No different than the days of Jeremiah and Zephaniah, because Jeremiah is his contemporary. Listen to Jeremiah 23, 13 through 14. And I have seen folly in the prophets of Samaria. They prophesy by Baal, and they cause my people Israel to err. Also, I have seen the horrible thing in the prophets of Jerusalem. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They also strengthen the hands of the evildoers <clears throat> so that no one turns back from his wickedness. All of them are like Sodom to me and inhabitants like Gomorrah. Jeremiah is his contemporary. This is what's going on in Jerusalem and Judah. Jeremiah gives us um, the test of a true prophet. Listen, same chapter 23. He says, I have heard... What the prophets have said. Who prophesied like in my name. Saying I have dreamed a dream. How long will this be in their heart. Of the prophets who prophesy lies. Indeed they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart. Who tried to make my people forget my name. By their dreams which everyone tells his neighbor. As their fathers forgot my name for Baal. The prophet who has a dream. Let him tell the dream. And he who has my word. Let him speak my word faithfully. What is the shaft of the weed? That says it all, says the Lord. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongue and say, he says... Behold, I'm against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them or command them. Therefore, they shall not profit as people at all, says the Lord. Jeremiah 23, 25 through 32. This is what's going on in the days of Zephaniah. We see these very things happening today within the church, within our nation. In fact, Second Peter two one says, uh, he warns us in the New Testament of the last days, but there were also false prophets among the people, even if there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresy, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destructions. Great followings from within the church. We're seeing it happening. Now, it's been happening all along progressively. We warned about it through the 70s, through the 80s, through the 90s, through the two thousand. Now we're... In the teens, and it's greater than ever before. And people say, ah, you guys, you're too critical. Ah, oh, you're too judgmental. Ah, oh, you're just self-righteous. Fine. Go ahead. Drink out of the muddy water. See what happens. This was the interim vessel of judgment to Judah. Zephaniah. He was only responsible for proclaiming the warning. He was not responsible for the people's response. That has never changed. Notice, secondly, you have the long-term judgment over the earth, 2 and 3. The prophet Zephaniah verse 2, now goes from the uh, present situation of Judah to the far distant future to declare the general judgment of God before his second coming. The general proclamation, look at verse 2, the beginning, uh, of the certain destruction is prophetic. I will utterly consume everything from the face of of the land. God reveals future events that take place, so when they do take place, you can acknowledge that He's God. God's foreknowledge is the result of His omniscience, not the reverse, like Calvinists teach. Because He's all knowing, He can't learn nothing, therefore He knows what He can declare before it happens because He has all that knowledge, not the reverse. God's prophetic events of evil that take place are never forced upon a person to do it. So when God prophesies something evil or destructive, He knows who's going to do it, who's going to yield, who's going to what, so it's no big deal. But he doesn't force the person to do it, because if he forced the person to do it, then God would be responsible for the sin, and he would be unjust in judging that person, right? Simple. You don't have to be a theologian, you just have to use your brain. It's simple. God reveals he was the one to bring the complete and the universal destruction. This is universal. This is the whole world we're talking about here in these verses. He declared for a time, I will, verse 2 and 3. I will, I will, I will, I will. He declares to the extent, utter consume everything. The word consume means to cease, to come to an end, three times in verse 2 and verse 3. This is confirmed by the phrase from the face of the land. This is not limited to the land of Israel. But this is the scope of the day of the Lord, universal, that will happen in the last days. Tribulation, great tribulation as we'll see. Notice God revealed the future prophecy has the highest authority. Many people are looking down on authority today. In fact, they're discouraged you from studying prophecy. People are not touching prophecy anymore. We touch it all the time. Very, very important. It's emphatic, says the Lord. God is the highest authority. Listen to Hebrews 6.13. He says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore... By himself. Well, what, what do you think if you're the core? I say, I, 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 I swear on myself that I'm going to tell the truth. They laugh at you. You're no authority. You got to swear by something higher than yourself. We used to swear by the Bible. Now we swear by nothing, so nothing is true. Look at verse 3. The prophet Zephaniah then declares some of the specifics of the general proclamation before the second coming. God indicated four particulars to fall under his judgment. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea. God created all in the beginning and destroyed it. Genesis 1, 6, 7, and 8. God created them for the benefit and the enjoyment of man prior to the fall. God witnessed the ruin of all that he made for Adam and Eve through the rebellious disobedience resulting in sin. And death. God will bring to an end all things that take the place of God and ensnare man from God. Listen to his words, and the stumbling block along with the wicked, I will cut off man from the face of the land, says the Lord Yahweh. The stumbling block probably has to do with everything that's idolaters that takes the place of God. Whatever takes the place of God is an idol. Your car, your wife, your money, your profession, yourself, whatever. Sex, drugs, alcohol, you fill in the blank. It's lived for and it's worshiped. And there's nothing that won't be done to have it or attain it. Notice God again revealed this future prophecy has the highest authority. He keeps repeating it, not because he's trying to impress you. He's trying to make it emphatic, says the Lord, this is not Zephaniah. This comes directly from heaven. God is the highest authority once again because he cannot lie at all. Now, the prophet Zephaniah is giving us just a glimpse of what God gave to John in great detail as God pours out his wrath on the entire world during the tribulation in great tribulation. Let me just walk you through it, basically through the seals, the trumpets, and the bulls. These are the particulars that he has left out. He's just given us a general, wide view, scope. The <clears throat> period is known as Jacob's troubles in Jeremiah 30, verse 7. We have the six seals that open up in Revelation chapter 6. The white horse of false peace comes first. The Antichrist conquers through diplomacy. He has a bull but no arrows. If you've been impressed by Barack Obama, you're really going to be impressed with the Antichrist if you're left behind. Absolutely. Then comes the Red Horse War. Then the Black Horse Famine. Then the Pale Horse Death. The saints slain are not the church in verse 9. They're tribulation saints that have come to the Lord. They're under the fifth seal. They're praying for vengeance. We don't pray for vengeance. We pray for forgiveness. Distinct group. The parathetical passage comes in chapter 7. And by the way, this is all the wrath of God being poured out. Verse 17 of 6 says, 144,000 Jews are sealed in chapter 7. Um, The seventh seal is open and seven trumpets come out from the seventh seal. In Revelation 8, silence in heaven for a half hour. It's so horrible. Verse 1 tells us. The model of the tabernacle is seen as heaven shows the tabernacle in heaven the throne. The first trumpet, a third part of the trees are burnt in vegetation. The second, a third of the sea becomes blood red and a third of the creatures die. A third of the ships are destroyed. A third part of the water becomes wormwood, bitter. Many men die. The fourth, a third of the sun smites Men, the moon, the stars are darkened. A third of the day and night are affected. The angel flying delivers three loud rolls for the remaining three trumpets, which are progressively worse in 8.13. The fifth trumpet, the key of the bottomless pit, the shaft, is given. The locusts come forth, stinging like a scorpion. Man will be unable to die for five months. Amazing. It will flee from them. Revelations 9, 1 through 11. The king is called the destroyer, Abaddon, Apollyon. The sixth trumpet, four angels are loose from the Euphrates. And that great army of 200 million, I'm sure, comprise part of the Chinese nation. By three plagues, one-third of mankind are killed, but the rest of mankind did not repent of their murders, sorcery, sexual morality, and thefts, knowing as the judgment of God, Revelation nine sixteen through 21 being under the wrath of God, being poured out they do not repent, they do not cease from their sin A parenthetical passage between the 6th and the 7th trumpet is like chapter 7 then, between the 6th and 7th seal, the last one always comes. Conf- the next progression comes from the last one and so John is told not to write. So we don't have all the revelation. Apparently, maybe this is so horrible, he told not to write in 10.4. John is told then, the time is no longer. In other words, he's about to set up the kingdom, judge the nations, and John eats the book to partake of it, to be able to share with him. The temple and the tribulation of the Antichrist is set up. The abomination of desolation spoken by Jesus Christ in Matthew uh, Twenty four fifteen. Paul speaks of the man of, Christ, of man, the antichrist going to the temple, declaring himself God in Second Thessalonians chapter two. Uh, Revelation eleven one and two gives us that specific temple and the temple of the Gentile, the court area. Two witnesses lie dead in the street of Jerusalem for three and a half days as they are killed, probably Eli, Elijah and uh, Enoch, who have never died, and God will raise them up, and they will know. That it is God. The kingdom of the world. have become the kingdoms of our Christ. And judgment is given. Chapter 11. 14 through 19 of Revelation. 144,000 Jews are redeemed from the earth. There in chapter 14. Judgment on Babylon. is specified there. Which to get the details. In chapter 17 and 18. Of commercial, religious and commercial Babylon. Um, those who received the mark, are eternally damned. The battle of Armageddon, blood will be bridled deep to horse's mouth in chapter 14. The real details are given at, at, the, at the end, chapter 19 also. And then you have after the seals and the seven trumpets, you have the bowls or the vials, depending on your translation, in chapter 16 of Revelation. The first is foul and loathsome sores that fall on men, all who took the mark of the beast. The second is poured out on the sea, turned red. Every creature dies at this point. So they're progressive and more severe. The third, drinking water, is turned into blood. Now, there's no contradiction. There's only a third, a third, and it's progressive to be complete. The fourth, men are scorched with fire. The fifth, darkness is on the throne of the kingdom of the beast with great pain. But they do not repent, but they blaspheme God. Verse 10 and 11 says... The 6th, the Euphrates River, is dried up for the kings of the east, for that 200 million demonic army. The 7th is on the air when a loud voice from the temple in heaven says, It is done. Verse 17. There's an earthquake at that point. No mountain, no island is found. Hailstones of 200 pounds. You don't want to hit in your car. You won't have to change your windshield. You have to get a new car. But they blaspheme. Verse 18 and 21. The judgment of religious and commercial Babylon. It's given in eighteen, seventeen, and eighteen. Time of God's wrath, ladies and gentlemen. Those are the details: seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. During the great tribulation period, time. Jesus says, "With time like never before, you don't want to be alive." He says, "Better to be dead than to be there." I don't know where people get our world's getting better. Um, this album, um, Two Live Crew album, is not new. It's got its time behind us. It's entitled, As Nasty As They Want to Be. This is what kids listen to and worse of today. Many of you listen to this album. Listen. It contains um 87 descriptions of oral sex 117 explicit descriptions of male and female genitalia 226 f words 163 use of the word for a female dog to refer to a woman so on and so forth Kids can say oh it's just the music no it's the words they corrupt you they destroy they destroy you garbage in garbage out as a man thinks so is he proverbs says Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord. The power of his might put on the whole armor of God. Be not fashioned in this world, so then be transformed by the new your mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. You know when God told us of his second coming? The first time? Back in Genesis. Through Enoch. Back in chapter 5, 21 through 24, he's recorded, but Jude gives us that commentary. Listen to Jude 14 and 15. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of their un- all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. You think he's talking about ungodliness? <laughs> he's talking about the second coming. Paul comforted the Thessalonians in their persecution. He says, Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay tribulations to those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes. In that day, the day of the Lord, to be glorified in the saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 through 10. The day of the Lord, I told you, is a period of time. It begins with the rapture. Then you have three years of false peace. You have the abomination of desolation. The last three and a half, great tribulation. Then you have the second coming Armageddon. Then you have the millennial kingdom. Then you have white throne judgment. All of that is the day of the Lord. Many events in a great period of time. Now, Jesus warned the believer to be ready to be raptured before the tribulation and great tribulation. In Luke twenty-one thirty-six, he says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. The context of 21 is tribulation, great tribulation. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. So I don't know what you're looking for, but I'm looking for Jesus Christ, not Antichrist. I'm not looking for the world to get better. I live in reality. In fact, we as a church really don't live in reality because the reality of the church has always been to be killed, to be persecuted, to be imprisoned, to be have their property taken, to make their life miserable. When's the last time you had that for Christ as an American? So we as a church really don't live in reality of what the church really is through the history of the world. But we shouldn't miss the sign of the times of our nation and deny reality. This was the long-term judgment over the earth declared by Zephaniah. Thirdly now, we have the short-term judgment over Judah, verse 4 through 6. The prophet Zephaniah returns now to the present situation of the judgment of Judah in the near future for their worship first of Baal. Look at verse 4. The location is named by God. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Judah was one of the 12 tribes of Israel, as you know. Judah was the son of Leah the head of the southern kingdom made up of Benjamin and Judah. Uh, he's recorded uh, about being the son of Leah in Genesis twenty nine thirty five. God is the executioner of judgment. Notice, it says, I will stretch out my hand. Once again, God is the one taking the initiative here. Jerusalem was the capital city of the southern kingdom, the capital of the United Kingdom under David. Uh, after the death of Saul and shed. And David reigned seven and a half years in Judah and Hebron, and then 33 years over all of the United Kingdom after the death of Ishbosheth in Jerusalem. And 2 Samuel 3 5 tells us that. Jerusalem is the most mentioned city in the Bible. It appears 776 times. The closest is Babylon, 200 and some times, I believe. It is God's city. Today, Jerusalem, it's God's city. God has angels overseeing, looking from the walls, the Bible says. It is his city. The offense before God was every shrine and altar of Baal worship. Listen to his words. I will cut off every trace of Baal from this place. Baal was the supreme male divinity of the Phoenicians and Canaanites, the fertility god. His consort was Ashtar or Ashtoreth. They were sexual religions. They had great followings. Today, you have all kinds of this worship. In pornography, and gentlemen's clothes, sort of. What kind of gentleman? I don't know. But, um, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's the same worship. No different. Um, Baal means Lord or Master. And there were different Baals. Baals are recorded in the plural in Judges, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles. If you just punch in your computer, Baals with an S, it'll bring them up. Now Jezebel was the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, that is given to us in 1 Kings 16.31. And she introduced the worship uh, along with her husband, um, Ahab. Uh, He was the king of Israel in the northern kingdom. Uh, and you get a lot of this in 1 Kings 18, 19, and so on and so forth. And remember that Elijah defeated the um, prophets of Baal there in Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18. Some of you were with us in Israel. And we were there in Mount Carmel. We drove up the winding road. And uh, we were there at that Carmelite monastery. And we had our study downstairs. Then we went up on the rooftop and saw the Valley um, uh, of Jezreel there where the Battle of Armageddon take place. Uh, beautiful. Behind us is Haifa. When you look to... Um, The west, the other side. Now God again, notice, says, I will, for the second time, cut off every trace of Baal. The guilty leaders should not be remembered. That's what he's saying here. The names of the idolatrous priests and the pagan priests. The idolatrous priests were those of Judah who had departed from Yahweh. Having apostatized, they turned their back in the name of Yahweh so he would obliterate their name from the minds of men. If there's one thing men and women want to ensure is they want to be remembered. So we have buildings after our name. We have, you know, gyms or whatever. You know, God says, I'm going to just wipe your name out, your remembrance. The pagan priests, notice, were the Gentiles worshippers of Baal, um the God of the Phoenicians again the Canaanites. And they were guilty of corrupting the Jewish priests, and their names would equally be forgotten. Again, all of this, much of it is responsible Manasseh for all the evil and the idolatry, and then Josiah stepped in with that reform, but it was too late. I look to our nation, I I know that God can do a great work. I know that the only hope for America or any nation or the world is Jesus Christ. But I, 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 I grieve because in my mind and in my heart, I don't see there's any way that we can turn this thing around. But again, my hope is not in America. It's in Jesus Christ. So you have to keep that in mind. But you do not deny reality of what's going on in our nation, our world, and our state, ladies and gentlemen. Or with our politicians. Or the public. Not even in the church. All the junk that's going on. The prophet Zephaniah here, notice in verse 5, the beginning, declared God was going to judge those seeking their destiny in the stars. Those who worship the host of heaven on the housetop. The worship of the host of heaven was the worship of creation. This was the practice of astrology, the zodiac, horoscopes, if you will. The practice was to seek directions and guidance by the stars and the planets. The practice of Assyria and Babylon. It goes back to Babylon, the Tower of Babel. For their financial wealth, their romantic encounters, their protection, and so on and so forth. People do this. Some people don't leave their home without reading their horoscope or whatever. Or their New Age crystals. Ding. You know, whatever. You know what I mean? It's amazing. The worship took place in their tops, market well. In their own homes. The tops were used for many things. To dry clothes, to entertain, to just sit out there with the family. In fact, the law said, make sure you parap- put a parapet wall around it so no one falls off and gets killed. Now the tops became sanctuaries of idolatry. They used to have to go to the temple. Now, they are corrupting in their own home. Oh, we don't have to go to the temple. We just stay at home and worship. Now, I thank God for the internet. If you're sick. But I don't want you to stay home and watch me through the internet. Bible says we're together with the saints the first day of the week. As well as midweek, whatever it is. So don't be lazy. Be committed. Come and get real food from the pulpit, not processed through the wires. Now thank God for that. And the radio that we have stationed, love of the world. But that's not for us. That's for others. Very, very important. The heads of the home led their families now into idolatrous deception. The very person was to be the head of their home. The family apostatized, turning their back on Yahweh. Who are these people? The people of God? Jeremiah, the contemporary of Zephaniah, confirms the idolatrous practices. Listen to him. Jeremiah 19.13 says, In the house of Jerusalem and the house of the kings of Judah shall be defiled like the place of Tophet. Tophet is the valley of Hinnom where they worship uh, um, the, the god Molech. Because of all the houses on whose roofs they have burned incense to all the hosts of heaven and poured out drink offerings to other gods. One of the greatest deceivers of our time. I hope she repents before she dies as Oprah. She has deceived so many with the occult and spiritism And openly has said that Jesus Christ is not the only way. God help her. Listen to Jeremiah. And the Chaldeans who fight against the city shall come and set fire to the city and burn it. And the houses and whose roofs they have offered incense. To Baal and pour out drink offerings and other, to other gods to provoke me to anger, Jeremiah 32, 29. Those of you that were in Israel, we went down by the, the old city of David, the, the, the hill of Ophel, and you saw the burnt area, the evidence of the Babylonian when they burned the city. It's there. Ezekiel also is a contemporary at the same time, but he's in Babylon this time. And he records their idolatry. The elders were worshiping the sun on the east, Ezekiel 8, 15 through 18. The elders were coming to Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 14, 1-7, and God says, I will answer them according to the idols in their hearts. 14, 4. He says, Ezekiel, these guys have idols in their hearts and I'm going to answer them according to their folly. Wow. You're deceptive? I'm going to answer you deceptively. Wow. Look at 5 still. The prophet Zephaniah Declare God was going to judge those taking oaths, those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord, but who also swear by Milcom. They call this syncretism, the worshiping of one thing and ascribing it to the worship of God when it is not. This is the corruption of bringing something that's original and then adding things to it and putting it under that label. Uh, people do this all the time. As they come in from the religion or they pick up New Age things and they say it's Christianity. No, it is not. The charge makes this practice very clear. They swear oaths by the Lord, the Lord Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel. They use the, uh, his name to affirm their truthfulness, honesty, or their commitment. And he was hearing everything. But they also swore by Milcom, Malek, means king. Milcom is the abomination of the Ammonites in 2 Kings 23.1. Milcom is a god, Molech, the one who would, they offer their infants and their burning arms. Manasseh offered his own children. Listen to Jeremiah again. He's a contemporary, 32-35. He says, and they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the sons of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, which I did not command them, nor did, I come into my, did it come into my mind. And they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. The book of Zephaniah is, is just full of what Jeremiah was so brokenhearted over. It'd be a good thing for you to read the book of Jeremiah right now at this time. It's an incredible book. Notice also the prophet Zephaniah declared God was going to judge those who turn from Yahweh. Verse 6. First, those who simply walk away. Listen to the words. Those who have turned back from following the Lord Yahweh. They just decided Yahweh was not God. He's not God. They were deceived by the culture and the foreigners. Those not having sought the Lord or inquired Of him. Second note is those who had nothing to do. With God in any way. They don't seek him. They don't inquire of him. Nothing at all. They had no desire. Or inkling. To seek out God. When a person gets to that level. Where they don't believe in God. They don't even consider it. That is a very fearful situation in that person's life. The word sought means to seek or to find. They do not even think Yahweh was an option or a benefit. They have not even investigated or frequented the idea. The word inquire means to resort or to consult. This is a complementary word to the previous one. To emphasize no way at no time. Wow. As you know, the political world powers were shifting. Let's put it in context, everything here. Assyria was on her way out. As a world power, Babylon was a rising power, having obtained their independence from Assyria in 625 B.C. under Nabopolassar. Herodotus, the historian, tells us the Scythians were a non-Semitic race of barbarians, bloodthirsty Caucasian people from the north that swept down in great hordes over Western Asia during the 7th century, 630-635 at this point, to join up with Babylon. They were considered to be nothing but animals, conducting themselves. They decapitated their victims, boiled their skulls, dekined them, and then used them as drinking vessels. By the way, Colossians 3.11 says a Scythian can be saved. There's no difference between Jew, Gentile, Scythian, barbarian, male or female, slave or free. I presume you qualify. In 606 BC, Babylon defeated Egypt, the Carchemish. That led to the three sieges of Jerusalem. 606, 596, 586. Oh, it's not going to happen. It did happen. All the warnings were not heeded. I fear for my country. I fear for the American public. How we are not heeding the warnings of God. And most of all, in the church. The past movements of God through the Jesus people, signs and wonders, promise keepers, and many others, should not deceive us about the complacency, lethargy, according to sin within the church, as if God is not going to judge. Campaigns, conferences, crusades are at times a disguise for the superficiality of people's spirituality and the leaders' abusiveness and corruption. Let's make no mistake of that. There are many Christians and pastors that teach kingdom theology that it is our divine right to be healthy and wealthy if you have enough faith. The world is going to get better and better and we're going to take back territory and the church is going to establish the kingdom. This is also called dominion theology. It is totally contrary to the scriptures. But it's all around us in spite of the contrary evidence. So the church is no better than our politicians. We're living in an unreal world, a non-scriptural world. Listen to Amos 5.18. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? It, is, it will be darkness and not light. Wow. There are Christians and pastors that teach the integration of God's word in psychology. This is syncretism. They trust in the goodness of man. They believe in the victim lie. They believe in going back to the past to try to resolve their present bad behavior rather than the transforming work of the Word and the Holy Spirit. Paul is clear. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to the traditions of man, according to the basic principle of the world, the ABCs, and not according to Christ, Colossians 2.8. There are so many Christians and pastors embracing the emergent church, a postmodernism, period that we've entered into it is based on neo-orthodoxy from the German rationalists of Karl Barth and others denying miracles and not trusting the word of God to be inerrant and infallible it's interpreted purely subjective not with the study of the word of God inductively and so you bring a whole different light to the scriptures corruption It disparages the study of prophecy and focuses more on community. Rick Warren says, you're wasting your time studying prophecy. Jesus never wanted you to study prophecy. Read his own writings. Now, let me see. see. I'm going to believe Rick Warren or Jesus Christ. Let me see. That's a hard one. False prophet. False teacher. You want to fight? I'll be here afterwards. Compromises holiness. There's much drinking going around. Cursing. Acting like heathens. This way we can show them we're just like them. Cussing from the pulpit. Drinking by elders. Beer bashes. Whoa, really? Why the heck do I have to get saved then? Let me tell you. If there's cussing, there's drinking. There's fornicating. Am I clear on that? And if that's going on in the pulpit... I mean, in the pews, what's going on in the pulpits? God help us, ladies and gentlemen. Listen carefully. Peter says, While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, our Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning that can only be identifying a Christian, having escaped the corruption of the world and entangled again. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Second Peter two nineteen to twenty one. The word of God is very clear, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's monosyllabic, one syllable words A child can understand. This was a short term judgment over Judah declared by Zephaniah. Are you living in reality of the world around you? What the Word of God says? Or are you following some pipe piper? Listen, sheep follow a shepherd. Rats follow pipe pipers. Don't confuse a rat for a sheep. Zephaniah has opened up his message of the judgment of God to come, characterized by the interim vessel for the judgment himself. The long-term judgment over the earth. Tribulation, great tribulation. The short-term judgment over Judah, right around the corner, even if they didn't believe it. Job says, the fear, the thing that I fear the most has come upon me. Lord, thank you for your grace and love your goodness. We love you. We thank you. Deal with our hearts. And we pray that you would just constantly put a hedge around us, that we would be vessels of honor to you and a light to your community, Lord, to proclaim your word. As you're praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved to repent of your sins. Maybe you're over the internet. It's the same thing for you. Right where you sit, if you believe you're a sinner and that Christ died for your sins and that He alone can forgive you, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. You can call upon Him and He will save you right now. He will forgive you of all your sins, bury them in the deepest ocean, cast them as far as east the west and throw them behind His back and never mention them again. And make you a child of God by grace through faith That not of yourself. It's a gift of God. This is your prayer to him if you want to be born again. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Baptize me with your spirit.